So that brings us to right now, right here, with your Bible, if you've got it, open it up to Psalm chapter 96, right in the middle, and then rewind a few pages, a few chapters, and you should find yourself in the book of Psalm chapter 96. Verse 1, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we come today to be together to worship you, come under your word, to be changed by it. Father, you speak to us today. Will you lead us today? Give us understanding and knowledge and wisdom. Father, be with my mouth and lead it and fill it with your words. Cause our hearts to hear and receive your words and your truth. Ask that you would give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you would cause your word to bear fruit and take root in our hearts. Jesus, you do this work in your people today. We love you, Lord. We're here to worship you and praise your name. Help us to do that as we sit in this text as we study these, these words of truth from you. Amen. So, here we are. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised is the title of the sermon today. As I dug into Psalm 96, I felt like this was the heart of the text, and so I put it as uh, the title um, as I began to work, and it was intended to be a placeholder, and that I would change it and make it shorter, you know, so it fits better on your notes and your bulletin insert. 
Um, but the more I studied, the more I realized this is, this is exactly the heart of the text, and it can't be changed, and I can't take words away from this. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. So for those of you who take copious notes on your bulletin insert, I apologize. Uh, you have less room today, and there's nothing I could do about that. It's just kind of the way it worked out. So, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Let's have that resonating in our hearts and our minds as we, as we work through the rest of the verse, well, all of the verses that we're about to dig into. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Resonating in our hearts as we hit the four points that we're going to be hitting today. First point. A celebration of the Lord. Celebration of the Lord. Verses 1 through 3. It's kind of, um, it's like a shotgun blast of uh, ways to worship, right? It's filled with a bunch of different commands to us on different ways to worship the Lord. And these three verses, I'm going to read them again in a sec. They kind of help set and prepare our hearts and our minds for the verses that follow these verses. So it's kind of like a, it gets us in the right headspace. It helps us to understand contextually what these next verses are going to be hitting on. So here we go. Refresher. Hasn't been that long, but we forget easy. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. This is verse 1. Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. You see in the commands through here, right? Sing, sing, sing. Bless. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among the peoples. So something that stands out to me as, while I'm studying about worship is that worship is an enormous privilege, right? We have the privilege of worshiping the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who made all things. He made each of us in this room, he made everything around us and everything beyond what we can possibly imagine. He's the one who did it. He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our master. We get to worship him. And more than just having the enormous privilege of being able to worship him, we are commanded to worship him. It's commanded of us to worship the king who made us. We belong to him. We are his. So we must worship him. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it. The world and those who dwell therein. That's us. We're dwelling in the world. We belong to the king over the world. We're his. We belong to him. We must worship him. It's expected of us to worship him. Because worship is also a fundamental part of our existence. It's built into who we are. We were designed by God in the image of God to worship God. It's who we are. So it is expected of us to worship him all the time. So we need to worship the Lord with all that he has given us to worship him. We're to worship the Lord with all that he has given us to worship him with. It's, so you think, um, if you're tracking with me on that statement, right? We, we find ourselves in settings 
right? Right now we're here, we're in the church building, we have stuff around us, people around us, we have ourselves, we have our abilities, our skills. God has made each of us the way we are right here, right now in this place, right? And we're to use all that God has given us to worship him, every bit of it. So you think of the different settings, right? We're at home, you have stuff around you, you have things that you do at home, you're at work, the same story, you're at school, you know, fill in the blank. Any setting you find yourself in, you have a set of circumstances, you have a set of skills and abilities, it's different. Every one of us is different, but we have the opportunity to worship God in that setting. Everywhere you go, you take these with you, your abilities, your strengths, skills God has given you, and also your inabilities. Worship God with your weaknesses, right? Worship God with your inabilities, and to kind of um, illustrate that point, I want to tell you a story about someone that I know pretty well. Um, he's okay with me sharing the story. His name is Jesse, and uh, it's me, by the way. I'm Jesse. Totally okay with this. And just to be clear, you're talking about myself. I was born a worshiper. I was born a worshiper, and I was really good at it. I was very good at worshiping at the ripe old age of zero. I worshiped me. I worshiped what made me feel good, what made me happy, what made me comfortable. I did not like so much things that didn't do that. It was all about me. That's all I knew. I was born a sinner, and I was worshiping wrongly. But I was born a worshiper, and I started immediately. So, okay, ground zero. Not zero. No, I'm, I'm zero years old. Zoom forward three years. I'm three years old, and I am so thankful, so grateful to the Lord that he gave me two parents who were faithful to teach me the gospel, and they started probably before I could even understand words. But about three years old, I heard the gospel from them, and God opened the eyes of my heart to understand it, and I bowed my little three-year-old heart to him, and I chose to follow Jesus. And in that moment, God, he gave me, he made in me a new heart, a new heart that was no longer bound to sin. He set me free from that. He gave me a new heart, and I began at three years old to learn how to worship correctly. Before, I only knew how to worship wrongly, sinfully. Now, I got to learn how to worship God and I used all that I had at my disposal at three years old to worship God. All of my three-year-old skills, my three-year-old abilities, the things around me, my relationships, the stuff around me. And I remember it like I was there yesterday. I remember it. It was, it was a huge point in my life. And I really did know the difference. Started to learn to worship right. Okay, so zero years old, three years old, zoom way forward a bunch of years to April 30th, 2010. I am at this point a, a grown individual. I'm a grown man. I have an entirely new set of circumstances, a new set of abilities, and I was using those to worship God. And uh, the list of ways that I worship God, right, it's just, it goes on forever, right? Each of our circumstances is different. Some of the ways that I worship God 
was in the way that he uh, blessed me physically. I was able to run up and down mountains, and I did that, ran up them, ran down them, used trees to slow me down. Not recommended. It works, but uh, yeah. So I ran a couple miles. Uh, you know, every other day I worked out for an hour, two, three hours, whatever, every, every other day. I had a job where I was very physically active, and I was using all of these things to ascribe glory to God and worship him and praise him for who he had made me to be. I used those things. That was April and, and a bunch of other things, right? But that was who God made me. Those the setting that I was in. Those are the circumstances that I had. Those are the skills and abilities that I had. And I used them to worship God because that's what we're called to do. That was April 30th, May 1st, 2010. The next day, I was hit by a vehicle, a car, traveling approximately an estimated 55 miles an hour, no brakes. Um, I was in a truck, a pickup, and uh, the pickup stopped the car. And in that moment, God in his sovereignty made me a different person. He rewrote every aspect of my life that I've ever been able to think of since that day was completely changed in that moment. And God did that, and it was good. He made me a different person. I was no longer able to worship God from a, from a perspective of not being in, excruci in excruciating pain all the time. That wasn't me anymore. I was now worshiping God from a perspective of being in excruciating pain all the time, nonstop, 24-7. That was me. That was the new me. I was no longer able to run up and down mountains. I couldn't run. I couldn't jog. I could barely walk. I'd walk, and I would just fall over sometimes. No one understood why. Lose the strength in my leg to fall over. Really embarrassing. Kind of hard to explain. That was my reality. I couldn't do the things I used to. I was a completely different person. So take that. May 1st, zoom forward seven years, look back at those seven years, and I will confess to you that I wasted the full potential of worshiping God during those seven years because I did not worship God from the perspective and the position of who I was, who God had made me. I wanted the person that I was on April 30th. I wanted to be that person worshiping God but I wasn't the person. God he did something different. And I believe that God put blinders on my eyes for seven years so that I could learn a lesson that I would never forget and couldn't learn any other way. It drove me deeper into Christ and gave me an understanding of things that I never could have had any other way. But after seven years, almost to the day, um, God took those blinders off and I realized that not only should I be okay with what he did by making me a different person, I should be okay with it. I should accept it. I should be thankful for who he made me. I should be grateful for who he made me. I should praise him for who he made me and worship him with who he made me. See, we are all worshipers. All the time, every day, we are ascribing glory, we're ascribing worth, we're ascribing value to what we are doing, what we are thinking. No way to get around it. We are born worshipers, 
I don't think there's such a thing as a bad worshiper. I think we're all good worshipers, saved or unsaved. We're a good worshiper. But the question is, are we a right worshiper, sending the praise and the glory to the right place where it belongs, to God, to the Lord? Or are we a wrong worshiper and instead worshiping anything, anything other than that? Anything less than that is sin. There is no way around this. That is the way it is. This is reality. We were born worshipers. So our lives should be about celebrating the Lord. So how do we do that? We worship daily and in all things, right? This, even these three verses that we just read, and guess what? There's a whole more, a whole bunch more of them in that book right there. But even in these three verses, it just builds a whole bunch of different ways that we can do that. Worship daily and in all things, right? Tell of his salvation from day to day. Worship openly and tell the nations, right? Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. Worship by singing, worship by saying, worship by sharing. Let your feet be beautiful, right? Feet shod with the shoes of the gospel. I don't know. They should not try and use old English. Let the gospel be on your lips, right? Share the good news. Of the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Our lives should be all about celebrating the Lord. So, point number two no cross, no hope. No cross, no hope. Verse four, chapter 96, verse four. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be befeared, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Depart from Christ, our hope might as well be a worthless idol. See, Jesus, the very one who spoke the universe into existence, one who said, let there be light, and then there was light. The one who descended to the earth that he made in order to give his own life to save sinners. That God-man also spoke these words to his disciples. He spoke these words in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The one who made all things, the one who created all things with his words, because he is the word, he spoke and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't argue with that statement. It was spoken by the one who everything exists because of the one who created all things, designed the laws of physics, designed everything that we could possibly ever learn or know, he said, there is only one way, only one way, and the one who's talking there. There is no other hope, there's no other way, there's only one way, there's only one hope. Without the work of Christ on the cross, we have no recourse to avoid God's righteous wrath against our sinfulness. 
every hope in every nation is worthless and wasted if the hope is in anything less than what we find in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that was wallowing in corruption that he gave his only son the only way that we could be saved from this corruption, this unrighteousness. It's his son. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, have eternal life, everlasting life, should not die. Mm. Hope! Hope! If you have never heard or understood what I'm about to tell you, you're about to hear the best news of your life. He who said, let there be light, is also the giver of light to our souls. What's that light? Light's the gospel. The gospel is the fantastic news of salvation from the wrath of God. God loved the world so much, he sent his only son to come, be born as a baby, to grow Become a man who had never sinned, completely sinless. Who would go to the cross and be nailed there and take on his shoulders my sin, your sin. And he bled and he died to pay for it so that I would not have to. And his sinlessness, his righteousness was then given to all who believe in him, that finished work on the cross that he accomplished, that no one else could. No one else could do that. Complete, done, died once for all, finished. So to be saved from your sin, you believe in that work. You forsake your sin, right? Repent, forget your sin, don't want it anymore, hate your sin. You turn to Jesus because you don't love your sin. You love him, you follow him. And he'll save you. If that's news to you or you have never done that, talk to me, please. Talk to the pastor, find an elder, find somebody, and they will at least point you to someone. I'm excited to have that conversation. If that's you, please come find me. Here's the truth, though. We do have the cross. We do have hope. Our hope is in Christ alone. No cross, no hope. We have it. So, number three. All praise is owed to the Lord. All praise belongs to the Lord. It's its right place. It goes there. Okay, uh, verse 7. Psalm 96, verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. We're going to dig into that last little phrase in a minute. So ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Let's 
What does it mean to ascribe glory? It's a question that I ask myself often. Um, I feel like I, I lose part of, I don't know how to describe that. How, I, 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 is this something I need to be reminded of a lot? How do I do that? How do I actually make it happen in my life? How do I ascribe glory? How do I make sure that what I'm doing, because I'm a worshiper always, how do I make sure that I am praising and worshiping rightly? How do I do that? So, what does it mean to ascribe glory? You recognize the Lord for who he is. You praise him in that, right? You search through scripture and you find the attributes of God and his character and um, his goodness, his grace. You study through and you find bits and pieces of who he is and you ascribe to him the glory that belongs to him, right? You recognize the Lord for who he is and you praise him in that. So I want to pose a question to you, to us today. Is there any glory that does not belong to God? Is there any glory that does not belong to God? Spoiler alert. No. Every bit of glory that we could possibly find if we searched all the vastness of the universe, every single drop of it, every single bit of praise that we can find belongs to God. He made it all. And any glory or praise that there is to be had is rightly given to him. So, we're always doing that. We're always praising. So the question is, are we doing it correctly, right? We can, we can do something, um, and it can be, we can be worshiping or praising whatever, or we can do it and praise God. Illustration happens to be for the second time. Today, I am really thirsty, so I'm going to drink this water. And I can drink this water, and I can, I can, I can worship whatever. The water, I, whatever is in my head, I can just not care. I can drink water, and I can ascribe glory incorrectly, and it can be simple. Or I can drink water, and I can ascribe glory to God. I can be thankful to the Lord in what I just did. That water, it sustains me. It gives me life, and it tastes really good. Let me have a little bit more of it here. Okay. It is really good. See, we can walk throughout our days, throughout our schedule, whatever we use to make our flow happen, right? Do our thing. We can, we can walk through that. And we can be praising God in each aspect of it as we go, or we cannot. And we're praising something. We're ascribing worth to something, the choices that we make. We're always doing that. The question is, are we doing it correctly? And I personally want to do it right. I do it wrong all the time, and I constantly have to reassess my schedule. Literally sit down with my schedule and like write it all out. Kind of reset every few months, just to make sure that I'm using my time right. Not saying I'm really good at that, but that's what I aspire to. How do we attribute to the Lord the glory that belongs to him? You can ask yourself some questions. These are questions that I ask myself all the time. Is what I'm praising worth praising? Right? Um, 
what's the priority of my faith? Like, wh why, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? What, like I've written my schedule out, for instance. Why did I write those things on there, and how am I going to accomplish those things, and how am I going to do it for the glory of God? My life belongs to him. Can it be done? Yes. And so, so this next one is the one that I find the most challenging. Do I need to make a change to what I do or how I am or how I think or how I act? Do I need to make a change to that to make sure that I am praising God rightly? So I, I use the water as an illustration. You, you know, you think your life and do this work, please do this work. Sit down and whatever your function is, maybe it's not having a schedule. That's cool too. Do the work though and think about it. Maybe you'll find something in there that you cannot find praise to direct the Lord. And I would challenge you that maybe that's something that doesn't belong in your life. Maybe that thing is sin and it just needs to be cut out, ripped out, torn out, whatever, gotten rid of. Okay? But, so aside from that, everything else, anything that can be praiseworthy, it belongs to the Lord. All praise is owed to him. So, point number four, no more groaning. No more groaning. Verses 11 through 13. So, here's the deal. The world was made to function and operate on a foundation of righteousness. But because corruption entered the world to the sin of one person, all of creation fell into corruption. And instead, since pretty much the beginning of creation, it's functioned and operated in corruption, in unrighteousness. It was meant and designed to work in righteousness, but instead has suffered in sin. Pretty much since the beginning of time, almost. Right? So we're going to keep your finger in Psalm 96. We're going to jump forward to the New Testament, to the book of Romans, chapter 8. And we're going to read uh, this verse. We're jumping right into like a huge thought of Paul's. This is like a little snippet right in the middle here. We're jumping in here, and this is going to help us to have the right context in mind as, as we go back to Psalm 96 and we read those last three verses of Psalm 96. So the creation itself will be set free. This is verse 21, Romans 8, 21. We set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Pains of childbirth. Childbirth is very painful. I've got two kids. I did not birth either one of them. I'm very grateful to my wife for handling that part of it. I think that childbirth is probably the most painful thing that Paul could think of to describe what he was trying to communicate here, right? The most painful thing he could think of, childbirth. This is what he used to describe how creation feels under the weight of this burden of operating in sin and unrighteousness instead of what it was designed for. Righteousness. Righteousness is what creation was designed to operate in. Okay, so have that in your head as we go back to Psalm 96, okay? Psalm 96, verse 11 is where we're going to be jumping in. 
So as we read these verses, let's feel the excited anticipation of the Lord's coming in these verses, right? There's a bursting forth of joy that happens. All of creation is involved in this. As the psalmist writes this, think how blessed we are. The understanding that we can have as we read these verses, the psalmist who wrote this, he didn't even have the, this is Psalm 96, he didn't even have Psalm 97 to, to draw from. I know those aren't chronological, but you get my drift. Okay? So feel this excitement. Let the heavens be glad. And let the earth rejoice and be thinking, why is this happening as we're reading this? Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. Okay, now we're getting to why. For he comes to judge the earth. So the joy and excitement and the worship that is happening that we're just reading about is because the judge is coming. The judge is coming to judge the earth. Why is that exciting? Okay, let's keep going. He will judge the world in righteousness. That's what it was designed for. Our world was designed to function in a foundation of righteousness, not this sin stuff that we've been struggling with since forever. He would judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Restoration of all things is coming. He's coming to make all things new, and all of creation is eagerly waiting for this to happen. The groanings that we were just reading about, the miserable waiting period of unrighteousness, it is coming to an end. This is promised throughout Scripture. It is coming to an end. This is truth. And we, as children of God, have a small taste of what's going to be happening, what's going to happen, this restoration that we're reading about. We have a small taste of what is to come because this worshiper was given a new heart, a redeemed heart that loves to worship and ascribe glory to the Lord. But that new heart is also wrapped in a body that's not made new yet, that's always in pain, and it's always suffering in some way, and it's tied to this world which is not yet made new. But we have a taste of what's coming, right? <clears throat> yes. The cross is the reason that we can rejoice at the coming judgment of righteousness. Judgment can be a scary thing, but in this context, it's not. In this context, it is a cause for joy, right? A harmonious bursting forth of praise as all of creation magnifies the Lord together. That's going to be us. Think about how great it is to be together in one place and all singing uh, the praise of the Lord, right? We've got songs that we sing together, we're singing the same words. For the most part, we're singing the same tune, the same notes. We're worshiping the Lord with these things. It's pretty epic, I think, personally, over there worshiping with my little family 
holding my daughter, and she's not really singing words so much, but she's, whew, she's making noises, worshiping Jesus. It's really awesome and really good and really epic, but think about how much more epic it will be when every single bit of creation is also doing that at the exact same time with us. Oh, I don't know, guys. Man, it's going to be exciting. I am looking forward to it. And the cross is the reason that we can rejoice at the coming judgment of righteousness. So our response to this is how can we leverage our lives to celebrate the Lord, right? We all have our own unique ability to worship God with who we are and what's around us. So work, process this, and figure out how can I best worship the Lord with what he has given me to worship him with? Leverage it and do it. Make it a habit. Beat your body into subjection, right? New heart, old body. Make it listen. Force it. Create new habits. Remember that our hope is in Christ alone. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Romans 14, 11. He's coming for his people. He's coming to redeem all of creation. And as we wait, his grace is sufficient. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your glory. Thank you for your love. Thank you for, Lord, thank you for your obedience to your Father in coming here to this earth in humility and living a life of sinlessness so that I could be saved. Thank you for redeeming your people. And Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, you are coming again to restore all things. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Father, I pray that today these words would change us and would make us more like yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you sanctify us. Every day you are making us more like yourself. Help us to be good stewards of the things that you have given us. Teach us and help us to leverage who we are, who you've made us, and what we have around us to worship you, to ascribe glory and greatness and strength and honor and praise where it belongs. Help us, Lord. I'm terrible at doing this myself. Help me to be a good, right worshiper. Jesus, be glorified in the hearts of your people. Help us to be faithful with the word that you've given us for your glory. 